church. Yeah, it's real cool. Um, and I was just thinking about it. And I was thinking about the fact that Nick Sterling's back after being like in a near fatal car accident. It's really cool. It's like, yeah, give him a round of applause. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you realize this, Nick, but there were a lot of people playing, praying, not playing, praying, me included. We're praying that you're going to get better real quick. And man, I like to think that God's doing something there real good. Um, I was thinking about our church. I was thinking about Nairi sitting down here in the back. Man, she's like my grandmother, right? Like, I don't have my own natural grandmas anymore, but I see Nairi every week in church, faithfully in here, smiling, worshiping. She's part of our family, man. She's awesome, eh? I don't give up for her. And you know another thing about a church that I love, and it makes my heart burst. I was like sitting in the front row this morning, just getting a little bit emotional, but just looking at the young people in our church that are involved, who love God, and are serving with everything they got, right? And I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a guy, Barnaby, up on the stage this morning playing guitar. I'm not sure if it's his first time playing here on a Sunday morning or not, but he is just like growing and going to be a great young man. And then I could tell you stories about every young person that's on the stage this morning, but it's so cool seeing that there's young people, and people in our church, not just young people, but people in our church, young people who are in love with God, ready to give it a crack, ready to serve and step up and watching them grow and mature as part of this family. It's such a good thing, right? And I was like looking and seeing um, Ben and Gemma sitting in the front row and they're dancing and clapping. It's like, that's the future of our church coming up and they're excited to be here. And it's cool, man. It's radical. And so if you're not a part, if you don't feel like you're getting that, if you're here on a Sunday morning, you're like, I'm missing out on what Dave's talking about, I encourage you, stop what you're doing and start doing something different and get a part of what's going on here because there are good things here. There are people who are finding... God, finding salvation, having their lives transformed. There are people growing and developing who are going to be world changers. And you can be a part of this family that does that. I don't know. I'm really excited about it. Like, I was getting a little bit teary and emotional. It was real good stuff. But obviously not many people are excited about that. Craig's excited about it. I had the privilege of having brunch with Craig and Trin. Me and Gina had brunch with Craig and Trin yesterday morning. And we have some really awesome pastors in our church. And I think we should honor them this morning before we go any further. Like, honestly, because like, how long have you been here now, Craig? 10 years, 12 years, forever, 10 years. That's a long time to be doing this. And I don't know, it feels like, well, I've been here just about the same amount of time. And it feels like we're only just getting started, eh? But um, like, they're doing an incredible thing, right? And I think that we have to recognize the fact that a lot of what we see here and the people developing and growing and the vibrancy and the life that's happening in this place is because of their leadership and their vision. And so it's something that's really, really important to acknowledge. Okay? Good. Can you understand what I'm saying all right? Do I need to like enunciate more? I don't know. We'll see how we go, eh? Um, I've got a really exciting message. I'm excited about this message. If, if you were at Element on Friday night, you're going to have heard a version of this message, but it's an exciting message, and it's from the Bible, which is a good starting place, right? It's really good. We're in church. We're going to talk about something that's in the Bible. Excellent start, Dave. Good. Tick that box. Okay, carry on. Um, I'm going to read you a bit of the Bible. Um, you can follow it for yourself if you've got your phone, tablet, actual paper Bible. I don't know if anyone's got one of those anymore. Um, you can look it up. This is Luke chapter 19, and we're going to talk about a guy called Zacchaeus. Everyone say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. <coughs> It's a funny name to say, yeah. It's spelt interestingly as well. You wouldn't think it, but it's got an H, H in it. Okay, then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. This is like the start of Luke 19. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus. 
the head tax man, and he was quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. Anyone relate? Not being able to see over a crowd. Sorry. It's my fault. I know. I stand in your way. You can't see. Um, so he ran on ahead. This is Zacchaeus. He ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned, as you would be, publicly shamed. He stammered apologetically, Master, right now I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I'll pay four times the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. Now, you would have heard this story before. Hands up if you heard this story before. Who's heard this story talked about in church more than once in their life? Everyone puts their hands up again. That's good. It's a well-known story, right? So I won't, I won't elaborate on it too much. I feel like there's one or two points out of it that we need to take away today and digest and get in us because I feel like God wants to just, you know, remind us about some stuff. Um, so we heard the story pretty well. We know that by this point in the Bible, Jesus is pretty much a rock star. And when he walks into town, people flock to see him. He's not a nobody. He's a known thing, right? He's, he's the man. He's been going around healing people, doing miracles, just doing the incredible stuff that he was put on the planet for, to like really turn things up, change things on his head. Other things to understand about Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Everyone knows in the Bible, tax collectors were quite bad people. Um, I was reading um, during the week that the tax collectors were, in fact, like your neighbors turned on you. So there were people that you did life with, and then when the Romans came and um, took over and, and, and were in charge of your town, they looked for these tax collectors, and these people were pretty much sellouts to your town. So it would be like um, Pukekohe were taken over by the Australians, God forbid that won't happen. Um, and, and your neighbor, instead of being your friend who you have a barbecue with, actually becomes one of the most despised people in the community because they go around taking money for the Australian government and they'll keep some for themselves and they pretty much just rip everyone else off around. I was trying to liken it on Friday night to a movie character. Now, I don't watch enough movies for my liking, but um, there's some movie characters that stand out for how bad Zacchaeus was. Tax collectors in general, but Zacchaeus in particular. Anyone ever seen a movie called Star Wars? Anyone know of a character called Darth Vader? Pure evil, right? pure evil from the dark side. That's Zacchaeus, right? Maybe exaggerating. I don't know. Um, anyone, uh, when I was a kid, there was a movie called Aladdin, you know, anyone seen that one? Aladdin, like carpet, yeah. Um, the, the guy, I think it's Jafar, yeah? Evil, bad Zacchaeus, Jafar, all the same thing, right? Um, and the other one I was thinking of, um, um, the classic children's movie, Lion King. Everyone knows Lion King. And there's a character in Lion King, Scar. Anyone know the song? No? Okay. Scar, pure evil, Zacchaeus, tax collector, bad, you know, oh, it's not good, right? So we know that um, Zacchaeus is a really terrible sort of dude. And you can understand that when Jesus, rock star, superhero, televangelist, rocks into town, no one got the televangelist thing, that was quite, I thought, quite funny, but he rocks into town and he chooses to go and hang out with this guy that's pure evil by everyone else's um, um, reckoning. They're quite... Um, 
annoyed. I think that's a polite way of saying it, right? They are absolutely just horrified, indignant, just grumpy. Like, what the heck's going on, man? This guy, Jesus, he talked a big game about he was like all good. He's doing this amazing stuff. And he chooses to hang out with a guy like that. What is going on? What is going on? But what we need to understand this morning about the story of Zacchaeus is that it's not a dude about, not a story about people getting grumpy, but it's a story about Jesus actually coming and doing what he always said he was going to do and confounding the expectations of a bunch of people, right? And actually that what happens through all of that is that the people that should have known better actually missed the whole point of what Jesus was up to. Absolutely missed it. And so the title of my message this morning is The Missed Message. And I, I really feel like it's, it's going to be good, that it's going to maybe scare a few people, maybe it would awaken some things in your heart, but it's a good thing. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into this, okay? Um, I like to fly, right? Anyone else likes to go on airplanes? Yes, I'm incredibly pr- privileged to go in them frequently, and uh, me and Jenna, in fact, can go on another holiday shortly. It's very nice. We're going to go um, see some friends and people in Europe. It's going to be good. And I like to fly. And one time... I booked a trip to go to see my parents in Wellington. You know, um, I, thought, I suppose parents probably appreciate that. They like to see their children once they've moved away from home. And my parents, I think, missed me a little bit. Um, they hadn't seen Gina much. We said, we'll book a weekend trip to Wellington. This is a few years ago. And um, what we did is we found some cheap flights on a Friday night to go to Wellington. Um, and the only, only problem with that being that Friday night, we have Element Youth here, all my Element people are like, yeah, silent. No, they're taking notes, that's good. Okay, um, those shout outs from them. Whoa, awkward. Sheesh. Um, um, we've got Element Youth on Friday night. So there's, it's really a bit awkward catching a plane on a Friday night. Um, this Friday night, and, and, and the story was actually an all-in night. We have a guest speaker to come in and speak. And, you know, so it was a little bit awkward. To get our flight, we are going to have to leave Element early and run off to the airport. But it was going to be all right. The flight was 9 o'clock. Um, I figured we could be at Element for the first half hour at least, then leave immediately at 8 o'clock, get to the airport by 8.30, get straight on the plane, be in Wellington by 10, home with my parents by midnight, happy times, right? Excellent plan, about to be excellently executed by Dave, because I'm a professional traveler. It's good. Um, so everything goes, goes to plan, right? Friday night, we're there, all-in guest speaker there. I don't think the all-in guest speaker ever spoke to me again because halfway through his message, I got up out of the front row, turned and walked out of the room, never to see him again. That's, you know, so that was awkward, but that was right. Eight o'clock, we're out the door, we're on the way to the airport. We get to the airport, 8.30, um, and it's, sort of, it's quite good. You know, we made perfect time getting up the Southern Motorway, which at times is risky, but we got there at 8.30, walk into the airport. This is great. We're going to get straight onto our plane, um, but there's something not, not quite right. There's, there's not many people in the airport, and you think, like, if you've ever been in an airport, you know there's lots of people at the airport if there's planes taking off. So this is, this is unusual, but we're at the Air New Zealand end of the terminal. We're flying Jetstar because, you know, cheap rules all the time when you're, like, paying out of your own pocket to fly. So it's all right. We'll just go to the Jetstar end of the terminal. Stride down to the Jetstar end of the terminal. There's even less people around. There's one Jetstar employee in the entire place. Like, this is not right. Go up. Oh, we'd just like to check into our flight to uh, Wellington. She's like, uh, the next flight to Wellington is not till tomorrow. You're like, what, what's going on here? That's, that's a bit awkward. It's like, I'm sure I checked. No, we're definitely supposed to be flying. So I pull out the tickets. Yes, yes. Auckland, Wellington, Dave, Gina. All the details are right. 
And I just checked the time and it says 1900. And I'm like, wait, hang on. No, no, I thought it was nine o'clock, not seven o'clock. Oh, man. And sure enough, Dave misses the point of the ticket entirely, reads it at a glance, sees 900, misses the one, 24-hour time versus normal time. Oh, disaster. Missed the flight. And I just want to tell you that story because, A, it's embarrassing for me. I love, you know, embarrassing stories about myself. But just to um, highlight to you the importance of actually getting the message right, that we can't miss the message, what the gospel is about, right? I'm going to pray, then we're going to get into this. Will you stand up with me real quick while we pray? It'd be a good time. God, I thank you so much that you're in this place, that you're a part of our, our, our meeting here this morning, that this is your church, not our church. And God, I just pray now as I speak that the words that you've laid on my heart would be ones that find a home in the heart of every single person here. God, that you'd bring us new understanding, uh, new truth, new revelation this morning. God, that you'd help my voice last for the rest of this message. And God, just have a great morning at church. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. So good. Right, so... It's, it's quite a, a key thing, that the, the, the concept of this missed message, right? So there's all these people in town. Jesus is coming to town. Zacchaeus is in town. There's all these people who are, are waiting for Jesus' arrival, right? And, and we know from the Bible that when Jesus came to earth, he got stuck in to do the stuff that he had been sent to do, right? So he went around um, setting the captives free. He went around doing healing stuff, doing miracles, just changing the, the people's understanding about who God was and what he was up to. And I guess it's fair to, to, to um, wrap all of that up. And so what it did was that very quickly, Jesus pissed a lot of people off, right? He did. He came into town and he did, you know, what any normal Messiah would do is pretty much, you know, look after people, be the man, be excellent. There. And all he did was aggravate a whole bunch of people now, I think one of the biggest ironies that you'll find in the Bible is the fact that the people that got aggravated by Jesus doing his thing were not the non-believers. It wasn't the sinners. It was the people that were expecting him and waiting for him to show up. He aggravated the Christians, the people that went to the temple every week and followed all the rules. He got in their face and he upset them and he disconcerted them and he shifted their whole mindset about what actually believing and following God was all about. He came into earth and just turned things on its head for them and they didn't like it. And I think that's one of the biggest ironies in the Bible as you ever see. That all the people that their entire lives are dedicated to following rules, to doing everything to follow God, their, their, their words confess that they're following God, their actions look like they're following God, they could quote you any part of the scripture. But yet when it push comes to shove and the Messiah that they all say they're waiting for rocks up, they miss the point completely and turn on him and murder him. Staggering, right? There's this massive missed message that's in there that 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 just a confounds understanding, right? The people that should be most excited and the most like into it out of everyone were the people that got aggravated and hurt and grumpy and indignant and turned against Jesus. And I was thinking about this in our context this morning. Here's the thing, right? That even today, when we walk around, there are some people that think that Christianity is about behaving better, Right? I don't know if any of you relate to this, but there, there's probably a good percentage of the population of the world that in Christians, they do Christianity and they follow a set of rules. Like they behave better because of it. 
That's what it's all about. Other people will tell you that um, being a Christian and going to church is actually, it's, it's all it's about is just being part of some sort of snobby exclusive club, right? So, oh, you go to church, do you? Oh, I see. Oh, do they have nice coffee there? Well, yes, they do. Oh, bet not anyone can join your club. Is that why you go to church? Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, just to be part of this exclusive thing. They think that the whole point of church and Christianity is to be part of this little thing where you don't have to hang out with the dirty people, you know, or the the people that, you know, don't earn as much as you or something like that. There's those perspectives out there. Other people will think that Christianity is actually a set of philosophy sort of thoughts and ideas, right? That, yeah, Jesus was a real good guy. Some of his ideas are like, next level, man. Like, turn the other cheek. Where does that even come from? That's so deep. Jesus is a philosopher. And so we have these misconceptions, this mis-message about Christianity. Oh, you have to behave a certain way. Oh, it's just to be part of a club. Oh, it's just some ideas about how you should live your life. But they don't really have to do anything for me, right? And there's this, this concept that's probably not that foreign to what it was that Jesus encountered when he came to town. That Christianity, these rules, these, this way of life is just that. But when we think that, we miss the entire message, the whole point of what Jesus was about when he came to earth. It's like you have this idea or perception about how things are, but they completely contrast with the reality that you see in front of you. See, when Zacchaeus and the people, and was it Jericho? I better make sure you get that right. It says Jericho, that's good. Um, those people in Jericho, their, their, their idea and perception of what Jesus was about was one thing, but the reality that he portrayed in front of them was something completely different, and it confounded their expectation. And the same thing happens today in our lives. When we, we go out from this place, we go into our workplace, if you're in a school environment, in a work environment, and in a family environment, and you have this, or people have this idea or perception about what Christianity is about, what church is about, and actually what we know, those who were saved may understand, is that that idea is completely different from the reality that is Jesus and his saving grace. I feel, I guess, I feel like this is actually quite a good point. You're allowed to at least say, yeah. Or maybe, ah, uh-huh, yeah, or, or clap, I don't know. You have an idea or a perception and it's different from the reality. When you have an idea or a perception of something and it's different from reality, you miss the whole point, you miss the whole message. This is what was demonstrated in the story about Zacchaeus. All these people saw Jesus come into town and they had an idea or a perception about what he was going to get up to. And the reality was so much different and it got them indignant. It got them angry. It got them grumpy. Now, we have to make sure that in our lives, when we have an idea or a perception about what God's going to do in our lives, that when we see something different, when we see a reality that doesn't line up with that, that we don't get indignant. We don't get grumpy, but we actually go, actually, God, I'm sorry. I missed the message. I want what you want for my life, not that. Come on over here. So we have to make sure that our perceptions are actually focused on what the reality is of what God's up to and not what our ideas are. And I know from my experience dealing with young people in Element on a Friday night that there are many perceptions, there are many ideas about what Christian living should be like, about the sort of words that should come out of your mouth, about the sort of things you should get up to that maybe don't line up with actually what the gospel is. Actually, the gospel says you need to have a relationship with God first and foremost. But the idea or the perception of what Christianity should be, actually, no, you have to behave in a certain way. You need to have your hair cut a certain way. Don't you dare use language like that because that's not Christian. No, no. 
I tell you, no. I think that when we, we, we get focused on that sort of Christianity, we miss the actual simple truth that Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, and He loves you and He wants to be in your life. We cannot afford to miss that message. It is the most important thing that we can ever do in our life and get, ignore the ideas and the perception of Christianity, what it is to follow God, but we have to have deeply entrenched in our life the reality that Jesus loves us and He died for us and He cares for us and He wants to be in our life and He wants our attention. So we cannot miss that message. You know, it's funny, um, in, in Jericho, the locals looked at Zacchaeus. So Jesus comes in, goes, Zacchaeus, come out of your tree, I want to go to your house for dinner. And they look at him and go, what the heck? How could someone like that deserve Jesus' attention? Like, what's Jesus thinking? Why, why would Jesus pay attention to that dude? You know, I reckon that maybe even Zacchaeus, as he climbed a tree to see Jesus, maybe even had the same thought go through his head when Jesus turns him and says, come out of that tree, Zacchaeus. That Zacchaeus goes, seriously? You're going to pay attention to me? I'm Zacchaeus. I'm like Jafar. I'm evil. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know if you agree with that, but I reckon that probably Zacchaeus was completely stunned as well. Like, hey, it says he was stunned, but it was more because everyone's been critical to him. But if I was Zacchaeus and Jesus, son of God, walks into town, miracles left, right and center, just, you know, pretty much gliding, I imagine, maybe like a slight halo around him as he walks through town, turns to me and says, Dave, come over to my house for dinner. Even though I know Jesus and I love him, I would still be like, seriously, you want to hang out with me? How radical is that? Like, straight up. I think that's amazing. And there's this perception sometimes. It's, 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 it's like we need to understand that actually God, God doesn't look at us like whether we deserve his attention or not. He actually loves everyone the same and he wants to give us his attention. I was thinking about a way to try and ex explain this better and I struggled a lot. But I'd imagine it put, if, you can, if you can come on a journey with me for a brief moment, put your, your, your mindset in the mindset of a five-year-old. Five, five-year-old, five anyone got there? Yeah, you might need to close your eyes for this. But imagine you're just turning five. It's your fifth birthday. It's a magical time. You're finished kinder. You're about to go to primary school. It's very exciting. Okay, everyone there? Yeah. Imagine your fifth, your fifth birthday party. Um, there's streamers, balloons. There might be some fairy bread. Might be an ice cream cake because that's always a good time. Um, things might be going quite well for you. You might be allowed fans at your fifth birthday party. It's a very exciting time. You've got all your friends together. Okay, and you're amping for, I, I don't have any five-year-olds and I don't hang out with them, but I'd imagine that five-year-olds for that sort of birthday party would be absolutely peaking. Is that right? Is that a, that's a fair assumption. Peter, Peter and Amanda are like, yes, yes, we've been there recently. Yes, we understand. Um, five-year-olds absolutely peaking, climbing the walls, so excited. It's my birthday, it's my birthday, it's my birthday. All the friends are coming around, family's coming around. We, oh man, all my favorite foods, everything. Happy times, right? And then your long-lost uncle comes to town and rocks up on the door on the night of your birthday party. And all of a sudden, the attention goes away from you, the five-year-old with the birthday and the hat and the cute clothes and the streamers and the balloons and the presents and the fairy bread, and the attention just swivels to your uncle from out of town. And you're like, hey, it's my birthday. Why is he getting the attention? He, he didn't turn five, I turned five, it's my birthday. And, and, and their indignation and all of a sudden, the attention swinging from you to your uncle from out of town 
As I, I like to think what's happening here with the locals and Zacchaeus and Jesus. They're like, yeah, I'm Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, I'm your follower. I've been following your rules of my life. I'm so in, like, in touch with your word. Man, I read about it in the magazines, all the stuff you've been up to in Jerusalem. It's so cool. I'm so glad you're in town, Jesus. And you're like, you're excited to see Jesus. And then in rock Zacchaeus, the mongrel tax collector, Darth Vader Jafar lookalike, climbing a freaking tree, and Jesus gives him all the attention. Now, I think there's a trap for young players in there that when we, we look at that and we have that mindset in our head, it's like, Jesus, how come you're giving that person the attention? How come you're going and I'm blessing them? We're missing the message again because we know from the Bible that actually Jesus came for every single person, not just the people that came to church on Sunday all their lives, not the people that used the right language, not the people that said the right thing at the right time, not the people that wore the right clothes to church, but he came to seek and save all people. We were all lost. I want to take that another step further, because I know for me sometimes, I, and this is a guilty, guilty admission, that at times of weakness in my life, I will on occasion look and go, oh, man, how come they're getting all the good stuff? How come they're getting the attention? How come they're getting the blessing? But I want to take this a step further, and this is something that you probably need to start thinking about yourself, because this is me as well, is that sometimes my perspective is I don't deserve God's attention. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. You don't have to put your hand up, but we need to understand for ourselves that Jesus came for each single person in this room, not for the person next to you, not for the person a few rows back from me, but he came for you. He came to have a relationship with you, to love you, to be there for you, to lift you out of sin, lift you out of shame, lift you out of a past, and put your feet on solid ground and give you a future and a hope. And we need to understand that even though sometimes we don't think we deserve the attention, that actually God's always ready to give us his attention. That all we have to do is turn to him and look to him and he'll come in running. Brings me to our last point this morning which is this, is that Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name. Now, I don't know if you're guilty of this, but I have been guilty of this in my past, is that when I hear a name, or I'm on Facebook and I see people you might know come up, I'll be like, click on that. I don't know who that is, but I'll find out about them anyway. Oh, they live in Hamilton, that's cute. Oh, they play soccer, that's fun. Oh, they've got kids, man. They look young to have kids. What's going on here? Zacchaeus and this story wasn't in an age where there was Facebook stalking, right? Now, that's a, that's a very modern 21st century sort of thing, Facebook stalking. Can you imagine Zacchaeus's, like, you know, initial reaction when he's climbed a tree and Jesus turns to him and says, hey, Zacchaeus, he's like, he knows my name, what's going on? This is really creepy. Come down out of that tree and come over and hang out with me. This is an era before Facebook stalking was a thing, before Instagram, like, you know, people you might know or Instagram posts you might like, that before this was a thing, Jesus knew his name. We shouldn't be surprised, though, because we know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that in the Bible, we know that God loves us and he knows everything about us and he cares about us. He knows us from our waking up to our sleeping, everything in between. He knows our thoughts, he knows our dreams, he knows our passions, he knows our heart. Zacchaeus probably wasn't aware of that because, as we know, he was Darth Vader, Jafar, Scar, extreme evil tax man. Um, but Jesus knew his name. And I feel like that's maybe something for one or two people in here this morning. So actually, you may not realize this. You may not understand it. You may not remember it. Like Maddie J's awesome um, 
message about communion this morning, actually remembering what Jesus has already done, but actually Jesus already knows your name. He came to find you. He knows your name. He knows everything about you, and he wants relationship with you. I'm just going to get um, maybe Callum or Beth to jump on some keys, maybe, if that's all right. Real, real sharp-like. And I guess what I want to get to this morning is this, is that we see in this story there's a missed message, right? We see that the people, the locals, the people that should have known better didn't know better, and they missed the point of what Jesus was up to. He sums it up in that last uh, sentence or two of that bit of scripture there when he says, Today's salvation, today salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. Now, all the locals, all the Christians, all the churchgoers were caught up in the fact that Jesus was hanging out with the evil tax man, but they actually missed the message that Jesus came to find the lost and that salvation was on offer for everyone, but they missed it. And they missed the fact that maybe the guy didn't deserve the attention, but Jesus gave it to him anyway. And maybe the guy that got the attention sat there and goes, I don't deserve this attention, this is really bizarre. Like, why is Jesus doing this? I don't know, maybe my life's about to change. Oh, look, there it did. Um, all this stuff happens, right? So you miss the message. There's all these thoughts about whether they deserve attention or not. But what it comes down to the fact is that Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name in advance and he wanted a relationship. He wants to bring salvation into his life and do something completely different. There's one thing that I, I know from the story that maybe we don't recognize so often is that in order to get Jesus' attention, Zacchaeus climbed a tree. He ran ahead of the crowd because he couldn't see over what's going in and he climbed a sycamore tree. So he could see Jesus and see what's going on. And my message to you this morning is, I don't know if you've ever, ever been in this situation before, you've been coming to church for a long time and, and you've heard this before, but my message for every single person this morning is that, have you climbed a tree lately to get Jesus' attention, to see what's going on? Because I know that if I climb a tree, if I go in and seek God, then he will turn his attention on me and I will know what it is to have his focus, have his love, have his salvation, have everything coming at me. Zacchaeus probably didn't know that, but he knew afterward that he took a step, he climbed a tree and his life was changed forever. The challenge for you and me in this place is, have we actually missed the message? Have we got the real essence of what Jesus came to earth to do, which was to seek and save the lost, to bring salvation? Not to come and give us rules, not to come and give us a little country club where Christians hang out on Sunday, but to come and give us an actual message of love and grace and forgiveness and life transformation. So I just want you to close your eyes where you are this morning. Every person in this space, me and Cam will have our eyes open so we can make like, winks at each other but the question is for you have you missed the message maybe you never heard the message before Jesus came he died on the cross for your sins rose again so you have eternal life it's a free gift that yeah, all you have to do is say yeah Jesus I received that and he'll come in and he'll wash you up the slate clean for you you may not have heard that one before but here it is for you this morning or maybe it is that you've missed the message, or maybe you, at first you didn't message, uh, miss it, but as time's gone on, you've like got the message confused about what it's supposed to be. And whereas once upon a time it was salvation, relationship with Jesus, love for God, and that becomes, oh, actually, if I do this right, then actually Jesus will still love me. Oh, if I, if I do this, you know, this way, then, then, then maybe that will give me a bit more favour with God. But you missed the message. 
Maybe you haven't climbed a tree in a while and you haven't done anything to get out of your ordinary place to get in front of Jesus and say, actually, God, I need, I need your attention. Sometimes I don't feel like I deserve it, but I know I need it. I need it, God. So if that's you this morning and you're here and any of that does anything for you, I'm going to give you an opportunity in about 10 seconds, maybe 15 and I'll give you an opportunity to shoot your hand up and say, that's me. I need to respond to Jesus. I need to put my hand up. It's me climbing a tree saying, Jesus, I need you this morning. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, it doesn't matter. God still sees you, still loves you, still cares for you. He just wants you to swivel your attention to him for a moment and say, come in. So with every eye closed, you can bow your heads if you want to do that, but I mean, that's just a Christian thing, right? If that's you and you're like, Man, maybe I missed the message. Maybe I need some Jesus in me. I just want you to lift your hands up on the count of three. One, two, three. Awesome, I see your hands. See your hands in the back. You can put them down. See anyone else? Awesome, I see your hand. You can put it down. I see your hand down the back. You can put that down. Is there anyone else? Awesome, I see your hand. You can put it down. To anyone else? This is like the fundamental. See your hand, you can put it down. This is the fundamental thing. And to be honest, I feel like quite often in church we miss it. The message that Jesus came to give us is, here I am, love me. I love you, love me. That's it. Pretty simple. Not too complicated, and yet we complicate it every chance we can. I'm just going to pray for every person that put their hand up this morning that something will change, and then the band will come up, sing an amazing song, we'll go different ways. But, but this is the thing. Let us not forget the message. Let's not forget who Jesus actually is and what he's up to. Let's not be the ones that get indignant when he does something over there and say, why is he not doing that over here? Why is, he not, why is he not doing that in my life? Let's hear the message and let's go for it. Let us stand together and we'll pray. Pray for everyone and put their hands up. There are quite a few people who put their hands up. It's quite exciting. But let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the story of Zacchaeus and what yeah, you, Jesus, did as you walked into that town, into Jericho, God. How you confounded people, how you made people indignant, God. And God, I pray that it serves as a, a reminder for us not to get things confused about how you roll, what you're up to, but God, that we stick to the actual simple truth that you love us, that you want relationship with us, that the other stuff doesn't matter, God. And God, right now, I pray for every single person that put their hands up this morning. God, that every person that responded to you, God, as they climbed a tree and says, actually, I need to see Jesus. I need to see what's going on. God, I pray that right now as they stand, as they wait on you, God, that they would sense your presence, God, that sense your truth in their heart, Father God, that you'd come in and you'd fill them, God, that from this day forward, they'd be completely different, Father God, that they'd have you all over them in Jesus' name, that none of us in this space from this point on would miss the message, miss what you're up to, God, but we would actually know your truth, know your love, know your faithfulness and everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen.